Hello, All Beer Inside listeners. Here's the audio from our newest YouTube episode. If you enjoy this episode or the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com, or many of the other listening avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask that you rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you are getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside. Our capital region adventures are continuing, and uh, we have traveled to the town of Morrow, New York, and joining me today is Rachel and Duffy of Dancing Grain Farm Brewery. Hi, welcome. How's it going? Thank you both very much for hosting us today and speaking about your beer and this amazing view and the farm brewery concept. I look forward to talking to you. First of all, uh, you got one year coming up soon, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, That's that's a big number that first year, so (laughs) how does it feel with everything that's gone on that that one year finally coming up oh it's a it's like a dream uh <laughs> i'm waking up from like a dream come true or a nightmare but um <laughs> no it's really great it uh it was a lot of work up to the push of opening last august um our official opening date was i think august 19th which is really coming up um we celebrated a grand opening at the end of october so we'll have an anniversary party over halloween weekend mm-hmm. but um yeah, it feels great. It feels like we finally hit our stride. So a lot less uh, stress and a lot more dependability. And Duffy is just really happy to have him here. He's really kind of gotten into his groove of brewing on this system and making some really great beer with the ingredients that we grow, which is, that is the dream, yeah. right? So Speaking of those beers, you brought me some tasty looking ones here to try. What am I starting with? So that first one right there is our Pilsner called Tractor Time. Okay. Um, Pretty simple malt bill, obviously using grain grown mm-hmm. on site. Um, but yeah, that's our, you know, the minute the minute we put that on tap, it was like, okay, there you got it. That's a staple. Like if, we, if that's not on tap, there's there's some people that come in that are irritated. <laughs> You're not the first brewery who said that about one of their beers. So yeah. That's awesome, as we do on the show. Awesome. Cheers. Toast. Toast. The beer is actually so the number one best-selling beer on the tap list. Well, yeah, I could either be sitting at home watching a movie out here playing cornhole or just sitting enjoying the view of this. It's one of those multifaceted, multi-purpose beers. Yeah, and what's, I mean, and what's great about what I love about a beer like that is <clears throat> it's so simple. So it really allows you to like showcase, you know, the malt. You can taste, you know, you can really taste it. It's not meant to be, you know, some people look at it like, oh, it's a light beer and they think it's just going to be like this you know, super watery, not very yeah. flavorful. Then they drink it and they're like kind of shocked about how, you know, how flavorful it is. So, you know, it's, that's, that's what I always strive to do. And I mean, speaking of that, so you are, you literally say field to glass brewery using family grown crops. What, what made you decide like we're gonna use, I'm pretty sure what 90% of your own products in those tanks? Yeah, or so. more. Um, so actually the short of the long story is that, um, my family is a cash crop farm in, in upstate New York, and at its peak, we were farming 2,500 acres, which is quite a bit for us in this side of the state. Um, but within the last like eight to 10 years alone, it's hard to even scrap together 1,000 acres. So you know we have a huge investment in grain handling. You know that's just steel, grain bins, and dryers, and and all that sort of elevator stuff, but then also in tractors and planting and harvesting equipment and everything that goes along with it. So this idea of this field to glass brewery was born out of the fact that we have this expertise in growing grain and we have this huge investment to do the job. Um, 
And so let's try and do more with less. And the first way to do that is a direct-to-consumer market. And when you're a grain farm, you have two options, basically. You've got booze or you've got bread. <laughs> and I thought, well, bread's a, bread's a necessity if there was ever a pandemic again, yeah. right? People need to eat bread, but man, people will turn out for booze, right? Oh, yeah. um, and, and in fairness, like, I think the beer does a better job at showcasing the crops that we grow mm -hmm. um, than bread would anyway. So here we are. Yeah, no, uh, I was very thankful that North America, they allowed booze to remain an essential, essential product. And a lot of brewers I spoke to were like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like, thank, thank goodness yeah. that yeah. this got to happen because a lot of people would have been very, very depressed if, <laughs> if that couldn't have happened. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, you know, you drink beer in good times, drink beer in bad times. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely an intrinsic part of our culture, of human culture, period, Ooh. no matter where you go. Well, and it's like an affordable luxury. Yes. That's the thing. Why didn't yeah. you do whiskeys first? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's think about it. What's the cost structure? Yeah. No, I'm just, I don't know. Beer, beer, craft beer drinkers are small on the market for when it comes to beer, but we're still there. Yeah. And it's growing. I, I mean, I think at least it's growing. It's a newer generation. that They might not drink as much, but they are going for local. Right. Yeah. So, and that's that's a super important part. And you, your team is obviously ultra local. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. So, and then so you came from Rachel. You came from the corporate world. Yeah. I was and in, came back, and yeah. I got to save the family farm. What what made you? What what clicked to do that? Um. Well, so I was an investment banker. Um. I worked primarily in uh, leverage buyouts in New York City um, before coming back. But when I did return, it was kind of like what I just said, right? This idea of what are we going to do with this huge investment if the number of acres that we can secure to grow our crops and to sell commodities mm -hmm. continues to shrink? And that became incredibly prevalent when I, when I returned back. There were these New York State farm brewery laws and distillery laws, and it, it seemed a lot more straightforward at the time than it was, right? Um, the fact is, like, these crops weren't grown in New York State in 100 years. Mm -hmm. So while we grow small grains like barley and rye and wheats, we don't grow them for germination. We don't grow them so that they reseed. We grow them for feed. So okay. there was a little bit of a learning curve uh, initially, but um, we did like five years of grain trials twice a year, spring and fall varieties. And uh, I, I like dragged my dad and my uncle kicking and screaming every <laughs> single season. <laughs> <sighs> until we figured out which worked best for us and now it's kind of smooth sailing that's awesome yeah yeah and i mean you already knew the soil could grow yep so you didn't have to do soil testing and all the other stuff that comes along with trying to grow crops you're like okay we grew there before we can grow there again it's just making that adjustment to more you know consumable uh in in the fermenters and right. mash uh, right. grains we uh -huh. do we focus a lot on like different types of cover crops mm -hmm. that like help bring in micronutrients um, that tend to kind of like, I guess, sink down over like generations of, of, of crop farming. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we have the expertise, we have the land base, we yeah. made those investments. Yeah. Okay. So now it's yeah. just kind of changing the way we think about what we're growing. I mean, plus your family has owned the land for decades, well, I mean, decades upon decades. You don't want to give that up, right? No. It's, it's, no. that's, that's, that would be literally like ripping your heart out in a sense. So. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things. We can't, especially in New York State, between solar, residential development, the price of land is not conducive to, 
to growing and selling commodities. We're talking about what is the definition of a commodity? It's something that essentially has va no value unless it's in huge quantities. Well, if we don't have the land base or can't afford the land base for huge quantities, how do you make a return on your investment with a smaller quantity of, of, of product? And that's turning it into something that's value added. So beer to us is, is a value added agricultural product, really. And then you come back, you start growing the crops. We're going to open a brewery. Things are kind of yeah. chugging along. World shuts down, March 2020. It was fun. Like, how does that, all of a sudden you're, you're up and you're kicking butt and then just screaming halt? Well, the timeline of events occurred like this. Um, <laughs> I applied for my local permits in September. We received approval in January. We submitted the building plans March 3rd, and the state shut down on the 14th. Oh, my gosh. So we had, I don't know, 50,000 wrapped up in engineering and, like, legal and, and permitting before everything just stopped. And um, I was seven, eight months pregnant, too. Yeah. Um, so part of that, like, very scary time <laughs> was time that I did honestly personally need because I had a baby and mm -hmm. the reality is like, man, that would have been difficult. Um, but it did delay the project quite a bit. Like we didn't get our building permit until August. Okay. Um, and by then New York state had called back all the contractors. They couldn't work on site. So we couldn't hire a contractor. It was, it was a disaster. Um, the good news is like between like the farm and my grandfather mm -hmm. and all again, tractor trailers and, and low boys and all the equipment that they have at their disposal, we were able to do everything but the floor in house. We had to hire the floor because we're not masons, right? So my 80, he was 87, 85 at the time, my 85 year old grandfather and I mm -hmm. went to go pick up the lumber load. Wow. Because it was, we couldn't get it delivered. <laughs> we had to go pick it up ourselves. It was like two hours away. It was the only mill in New York state that had 20 foot boards. We need 20 <laughs> foot for the span. Yeah. <laughs> I called every single yard in New York state and this was the only one that had 20 foot logs. And that's, I'm assuming when the wood prices were way up there on top of that? We, I, honestly, I, I don't know, because I don't know the historical wood prices, <laughs> but I have a sneaking suspicion that like, this was right before oh. they went through the roof, yeah. right? So yeah, stuff like that. You know, we're, we're, I've got pictures, I can send them to you, but like, it's my uncle, my grandfather and I, like <laughs> literally building this porch in a January, yeah. like of 2021. And um, yeah, it was, Definitely an all hands on deck family yeah. affair. My husband and I actually in April of 2021, because we had to do the house at the same time. So this was like a nightmare. We ended up buying a camper because we were 40 minutes away. We yeah. couldn't be up here with a one-year-old. So we like took our kid out of the crib and we're like, guess you're living in a bunk bed now and moved into a camper with our cats and dog just to like literally yeah. work on this, this project ourselves. So, um, <laughs> We should have had like a reality TV show. I don't know. <laughs> we are electricians. We are plumbers. We, I mean, we are carpenters. We can do, there's like kind of nothing we can't do at this point. Yeah. It's a matter of like, how scary of a job is it, right? Like, do I want to put that screwdriver in that electrical panel? I don't know. <laughs> that's the nice part about having YouTube is a lot of pros actually show their trades yeah. online. So that's a real benefit when oh, you're like, totally. oh, thankfully I can watch this video. And hopefully this guy knows what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. Maybe watch the guy with 5 million views versus the guy with five views. So. <laughs> right, right, right. We have, I think we own every tool that exists now. 
where you where they're located. I don't know. I'm severely ADHD, so you might walk around for an hour looking for it. But yeah, I'm guessing too, just building stuff, and, and you're looking at your baby, and you're like, "This is yours. You better enjoy this in yeah. the future." Yeah, the was funny. My friend's joke. It's like, "Wow, that's the only." T he just turned three, but oh, that's the only two-year-old in the world that says, "Mom, can we go to the brewery?" Yeah, right. <laughs> Hmm, when I have a kid, I yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get to another beer here. And okay. then, Duffy, I want to find out about your brewing history. So, yeah. what's so we got next here? beer here is our Spinning Jenny Pale Ale. That was just, it's meant to be super classic, quintessential American style pale ale. Hmm. Um, it's know. a little malty, yep. not overly hoppy. Yep. Yeah, awesome. classic hops in there. Nothing, nothing, no glamour yeah, hops cheers. in there. Yeah, cheers, that's what I'm drinking. You know, it's oh, funny. Yeah. A lot of this is beer stuff has to do with marketing, which we don't have a marketing background, either one of us. And I was like, man, why isn't that Spinning Jenny selling more? Why isn't it selling more? I was like, I got I to gotta think about how to market this. And so we did a post with just him and the beer. And we just like reframed it, like mm -hmm. drink what he drinks. Yeah, because that's like right? my go-to for yeah. most of the time. And, uh, and then it's number two, overnight. Yeah. You know, so a lot of this is just like. Well, and especially like a style like this, I mean, kind of like what I pride myself over what we do here is we try, I try to really make sure I have an extremely diverse tap list. So I think a lot of people come in, and especially some of the people who, you know, really haven't been drinking craft beer for that long. Sometimes they're like, well, it's not hazy. I don't know. And I don't like, like that's what it's supposed to this is what it's supposed to taste yeah. like. And I, I really love it when I get like some old dude that comes in here and is like, oh my God, thanks for making a beer like that. Like nobody's making beer like that anymore. And I think that's kind of like, everyone's always asking like, what's the next direction? What's the next direction? And, and um, you know, I, I, I truly think it's, it's, it's gonna be a matter, we're gonna get to a point in time where, you know, it's going to be a matter of, can you make a true to style this? Can you make a true to style that, you know, and, and that's what people are going to, going to, going to want. Um, obviously a lot of the, the crazy beers that are out now, I mean, they're not going anywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. they're just, they're just, I think there's, the beer's going to keep going in, in weird directions. But, um, I also feel that there's a large section of the consumer base that is like, I'm tired of all this. And they see this and they're like, wow. And it's amazing to see how many people haven't been exposed to like really true classical styles because the lines are so blurred nowadays. So it's like when somebody comes like, oh man, I'm like, yeah, man, like, <laughs> it's an old school beer right there. I mean, when it comes to my own personal beer tasting is if I go somewhere, I always start with either like a Pilsner or a lager and then maybe a sour yeah. and then a New England yeah. and then maybe finish off with a stout sour. or something. Yeah, it's, I mean, well, there's, it's still fun. There's, lot, there's <laughs> lots... And what I love is is the diversity that beer has, yeah. and I do find craft beer is more welcoming to diverse, like bringing in diversity. You know, if we're for the beer drinkers, and unfortunately, unfortunately at this time, brewing is predominantly a male focused right. industry. So I'm sure you hear a lot of, oh, well, you're a woman owner. You know oh, you're you were, uh, we'll get to that question. <laughs> we'll get to that question. It, it's totally. People come no in and automatically want to talk to me. I'm like, I'm not, I don't own <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely no need for that anymore. Like, we're in 2023. Grow up. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean. Well, and the other thing, too, which, which I've been saying for a long time is, like, women have different palates than men do. It's so. actually, there's a study where women actually do have stronger palettes yeah. than men do. Yeah. yeah. So, but yet there's, I think there's only like 
there's only two Master Cicerones that are female in Canada. Huh. I don't know about the U.S., but we only have two in Canada. Well, I think there's only, like, what? I mean, there's not even 20 worldwide. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's saying something right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Duffy's history. Yes. Oh. Yes. So, so, what, where'd you start? Where'd craft beer journey begin and coming here? So, um, I'm going to try to make this as concise as I can. But, I mean, pretty, pretty classic beginning um, with, with home brewing. But I didn't, I didn't start with home brewing first. I started by going to my first, like, craft beer festival first and i mean this was like way back in the early 2000s my wife had a, a friend that lived in boston calls her up hey you want to go to this extreme beer festival <laughs> yeah and it was like i don't know what year it was but it was probably like one of the first ones that the, that the alstroms had down there mm-hmm. and i'm i'm like it's a beer festival, you know. I, I always why is it extreme? Yeah, you know. And I always, I always kind of had an affinity. What's going on? There? <laughs> I'm picturing like water slides, yeah, like, uh, like screaming at the beer, the like, topless oh. women. <laughs> but it's like the I kind of always, I, I kind of always had an affinity of like what good beer was. Like even though I wasn't drinking like super crappy stuff, like I drank Guinness, I drank Sam Adams, I you know I drank stuff like yeah. that. So I go in and I was just blown away. You know, I was just like, oh, my God. So, I mean, the first thing I did was go to, like, my local, you know, beverage center and just literally, you know, like, tell them, like, hey, man, I just went to my first beer festival yesterday. And they just point me in the right direction. And literally a couple months later, I go to another beer festival held by Beer Advocate. It was, like, their craft beers a little bit more widely. You know, it wasn't, like, specific. It was, like. Less extreme. Yeah, it was just, like, <laughs> craft beer festival. And this was when, you know, Dogfish, I mean, they were, they were definitely popular at the time but you could they were still kind of i mean it was still sam sit, staying by himself yeah behind the booth so everyone's like you gotta check dogfish out gotta check dogfish out so i went made a beeline and i talked to sam for like 20 minutes and he was just like listen man if you want to have a better appreciation for beer in of itself like just start home brewing mm-hmm. that was that was the end that was that was the end i went two days later went out got a homebrew kit and you know um, I How just, many terrible batches of beer did you make before you made a good batch of beer? Yeah. I mean, the problem <laughs> I had was like, I, you know, you're making five gallons at a time. And it's just like, I was just going crazy. So I was like, you know, just giving beer away yeah. and dumping it down the drain. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff was just trial and error. Just like, I just want to try and see if this it works or not. And oh, I made plenty of terrible but beer. But you, ha- yeah. you have an education background. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was after the fact. So like, you know, after doing that for a while and being in a dead end job and being in like my early thirties and going like, oh, man, what am I this, like? This I life sucks. What you can know, I do? Like I, I, I had a great job. I was making good money. I had like six weeks paid vacation. Like, you know, it, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous. And I, I'm just, but I was miserable every yeah. day. Absolutely miserable every day. And, um, I would just like, you know, just started kind of entertaining the idea of like, what, what would be the steps I would have to make to do this professionally? And, you know, the first thing I did was just go into all the local breweries and be like, hey, let me just scrub your floors. Let me just get the foot in the door. And after not really getting a lot of feedback that way, I started looking into schools and I came across the American Brewers Guild in Middlebury, Vermont. Okay. Okay. And, um... Signed up for that. I had to sit down and talk with the wife, and she's just like, "Yeah, no, you owe it to yourself." You know what I mean? And um, yeah, what did that? Went to got a formal brewing education. Spent some time out in California, um, and then um, 
immediately did an apprenticeship at Briama Gang in Cooperstown. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, there yeah. for like a couple months. And um, after that, started brewing in a, a small, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Chatham Brewing Company or in Chatham, New York. Pretty, you know, they're, they're, they're decent. They've been side. there for a while. Yeah, they've been there for a while. So I was, you know, I was there um, fairly early on with them for like a year and a half. And then, um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole Schmaltz story, but they, they uh, were... Bigger brewery, yeah, in okay. Clifton Park by yeah. um, all the exit was at ten. Yeah, so for the longest time, well, you know, Jeremy Cowan, the owner of Schmaltz, he was like the pretty much like the poster boy for contract brewing. Okay. Like he didn't didn't own he he owned the business, owned the brand, but he was having somebody else brew his beer for him, and then he got to the point where he's like, well, I'll open my own facility, and um, I got hired there only maybe a couple months after they opened. Um, in 2013 um, and then after a few years of that he wanted to get out of the business so he sold the facility to single cut Beersmiths okay. yep. out of Astoria Queens mm -hmm. and so I was the head you know I worked my way up at Schmaltz to head brewer and then when single cut took the facility over I stayed on as head brewer um, and, you know, I loved it there. It was great, great company to work for, making awesome beer. I loved everybody I worked for. But at the same time, I was like, I was getting to that point where I wasn't doing any of the work anymore. I was just kind of like sitting at a desk, making the schedule, doing a lot of administrative stuff. Yeah. We're doing other people's beer. Yeah, and we were doing a lot of contracting. And, and it just, I got to the point where I'm just like, you know, this, this isn't, I was feeling stagnant. And I was just like, I just, I need to figure out um, something else to do. And, um, you know, the opportunity here came mm -hmm. along. And um, it was, you know, it was just like, it was, it was a godsend. It was like, this is, it's kind of funny. I talked to some of the friends I have that have been in the industry for a while. And, you know, they went from smaller facility to medium facility to big facility. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you're doing it backwards. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, this is exactly where I wanted to end up. Like, even when I was homebrewing mm -hmm. and fantasizing about working, I'm like, I just want to work, you know, at a, at a local place, be part of the local scene, you know, not do anything, you know. I mean, obviously, there's still the option of, you know, some someday expanding here. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you get that feeling where you're, you're working, you feel like you're working in a factory, and I just, I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. I, I you know, it's, everything's, every day is a little different. I've got, uh, you know, a lot of the creative control. You get to drive a tractor. I get to drive a tractor. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> you know, so. Gets to basically work outside in weather like today. Yeah, so. you know, and it's, and I, and I just, and I, and I love it. I'm thankful for it every day because not, not too many people, you know, a get to do what they want to do in life and then b even if they're in the the field that they want to do really working somewhere where they're truly satisfied and there's nothing better than at the end of the day just kind of looking around and seeing everybody you know enjoying the product that you make and it's just like that's you know that's a huge for me huge for me i'm, I'm guessing it's difficult to work with this view it's horrible. <laughs> so, it must I, be the worst. I keep telling her to put blinds on the windows because I don't want to see <laughs> blackout curtains. No, there's definitely some days where Board I it up. yeah I come in and then there's you know I got to fill a tank up with water and I'll just I'll just stand out here. That sounds terrible. Yeah, or I'll have a yeah. brewer, a friend of mine from the industry, come and be like, oh man, 
Like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in a warehouse. Yeah, pretty much, you know. So, that, don't believe me, that's not that whole, that's not lost on me for a minute. So, but, you know, and I get to, you know, I get to brew. I mean, there's the, there's, there's the staples that we keep on all the time. And she's got her ideas that, you know, that she wants me to you know incorporate into something but you know pretty much other than that it's just like hey rachel let's brew this okay you know <laughs> you know so does it's, it meet my objectives okay yeah yeah right? yeah, yeah. It, is so. it drinkable will the locals like it will people who are visiting like it yes oh. yeah that's so, in the end is what so you i mean need, right? you know so. and again we're not even a full year in yet so yeah. we're still trying to figure out like okay what 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 are we going to keep on all the time what are we going to rotate out you know what you know all that kind of stuff so i'm sure there's been Dozens and dozens and dozens of tweaks and changes oh, yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. that you've had to do in this first year that oh, yeah. you're like, okay, well, maybe the investment banking thing. No, no, no that's <laughs> the corporate world. I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, left a lot of money behind. <laughs> Put it all into this, baby. Mm -hmm. So uh, you go by the motto, for the land, for the spirit. Mm -hmm. how, how was that created? Where did that come about? Well, um, again, not a marketing person. And... Um, when I engaged a local marketing company, Black Dog, to help me kind of focus my brand, because it was everything, <laughs> um, we just started spitballing. Like, what is the purpose? Like, what is your mission? And the mission is essentially to save the family farming tradition, but it's bigger than that, right? It's like, if we don't take care of Mother Nature, she's not going to give to us what we need. So there's a very symbiotic relationship between the two. I have to invest in her. She'll invest in me, hopefully. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the hope. And so, um, that is, that's how the kindness of the slogan came out, right? We're doing this for the land You know, the spirit is, is it's our spirit, right? But it's also the spirit. Oh, it's so the spirit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a play on yeah. words too. And, <laughs> that's awesome. and so we want to celebrate everything that we do on site because it preserves the land mm -hmm. for the future. And if it's not my farm, if it's not my family, like hopefully it's somebody else's, right? Yeah. Um, so hopefully somebody passionate about doing farming. Right, and, like hopefully it's not a bunch of houses and solar panels yeah. and maybe some solar panels to maybe an be renewable. But yeah, yeah right, yeah. like this is just like, <laughs> the idea is, is to, we're doing this to preserve this land mm -hmm. for the future. Um, and it's funny because we were just kind of like scratching the surface of how that kind of brand and awareness is, is really resonating with people. We had a volunteer weekend. These Obviously, these old barns are full of like trinkets from farmers past. <laughs> and we launched, like, we gave, I think we gave like three weeks notice to the public, but a volunteer day to get it cleaned out because we'd like to turn it into something someday. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Maybe like 25 people turn out to do it, but they showed up to work. Yeah. They were not, I did not need to push them around. It was like, holy cow, these people know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They stayed out of the, like, uh, you know, I was running the equipment uh, just to get stuff picked up. They stayed out of my way. They, I mean, they had sledgehammers, they had chainsaws. I mean, they were going at it and, um, and they thanked me. Wow. And it's not the first time in the last year that somebody has thanked me for, like, building this brewery. I mean, last week they thanked me for allowing them to participate in something that we're doing here. And there's this photo of me that one of the people took. And it's, like, kind of that moment of, like, it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. Like, 
why are you thinking? Like, I'm thinking you. Like, what do you mean right now, right? And um, I think that it's finally, it's resonating with people that this is a community-oriented project. Mm -hmm. And it is a, it is a very mission-centric brewery. This isn't just like we're making beer. Yeah. Like, we want to preserve our family operation. We want this land to stay farming. We want to reinvest in these buildings because they're an eyesore. And we want you to come to our home. Mm -hmm. This is our backyard. We want to share it with you. And so that is a bit of a different take than I think a lot of other, you know, breweries that, that we engage with. And, and that's fine, you know, but it, it is like true to our core. It's like the authentic part of our business yeah. model, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if it were for those people helping and yeah. coming to drink your beer, where would you be, right? Exactly. So. And and I hope, like, I hope that they understand how thankful and grateful we are because every dollar they spend, right, is... Yeah. every opportunity that we have for the future. Mm -hmm. You mentioned sustainable farming being kind of keeping the crops healthy, mm -hmm. uh, which is important, but what, how much adapting have you had to do with climate change? Actually, good question. This year is the first, this last barley season was the first season that even like my dad, my grandfather, and my uncle have like a combined, I don't know, 150 years of farming. Sounds about right. <laughs> and um, it's the first year that we basically lost a crop to heaving. And heaving is essentially where the ground pushes the seed out. Uh, we, we focus on planting winter barley. So you seed it in September, mm -hmm. like your grass at home, it grows and then it dies and it comes back, right? It basically goes dormant. and. That has been the most successful um, season for us because of weed suppression. We don't want to dump a bunch of herbicides in our land if we don't have to. So if we can get our crop in early, then we don't have to do any herbicides. It's awesome. Well, the ground never froze this year. And there's literally yep. nothing I can do about that. Nope. This isn't like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you should have rolled it in or you should have planted this way or you should have disked. No, the ground did not freeze. And what happens is, is in a winter like we had, you'll get you know, 30 degree temperatures at night. So freezing mm -hmm. first four inches yeah. or so and thawing, freezing, thawing, free, and it pushes the bar. So we lost 50% of our crop right out the gate from heaving. We put a cover crop in, which is what you see here because we no-tilled our sunflowers into a cover crop. Mm -hmm. And then we had significantly lower yields because it was a really, really early spring. And because of like, I mean, broadly speaking, heaving affected all of the barley. It was just the stuff laying on top was about 50%. And we did get a, a bunch of suppression from, from outside uh, native species and stuff, I guess, um, <laughs> coming in and plucking them out. Birds. I wouldn't believe the birds that would land in here last fall. Yeah. Just pulling barley out. <laughs> and there's none today whatsoever. But... Nope, none today. <laughs> and then I also saw that you kind of used like sunflowers is like a natural pest deterrent as well? Uh, we use it as a, so like a crop rotation or cover crop. So, okay. so in order to kind of reduce our reliance on herbicides, um, you have to keep the ground covered. And what you try to do is cover it with something that isn't the same thing over and over, right? We don't want a monocrop because mm -hmm. that just essentially builds up resistance in the, in, you know, by bugs or diseases. Um, that might live in the soil because there's a lot of soil borne diseases. It's just a fact of life, people. <laughs> every vegetable, every grain, you're battling soil-borne diseases. Um, so sunflowers is a unique one. We did a trial last year. Half the field was sunflowers, half the field was buckwheat. 
Um, and sunflowers we chose because of their um, short, the nature to be very short season. So they're like 40 to 50 days. Mm -hmm. And if we want to do a winter barley, we have about 60 days from harvest to the next seeding. And buckwheat because of its nitrogen fixing capabilities. Cool. Um, sunflowers also have the benefit of, um, oh, they have a taproot. So they basically um, reduce compaction in your soil, which is pretty cool. And because of that taproot, if you leave the vegetation, right, you mow it, let's mm -hmm. say instead, um, it brings up all the micronutrients that tend to drift down to the deeper depths of your soil. So that's a, that's why we did that. And then the unintended consequences are we have to have sunflowers every year now. <laughs> but now you have a sunflower but, fest. And now we so. have a sunflower <laughs> fest, which will be basically all of September. <laughs> Today we actually open our, our flower picking field, our okay. little side garden <laughs> that is also full of sunflowers. Um, so yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I mean, plus you do the hashtag brews and views and clearly Bruce, which we'll get to the next one in views. So yeah. that's, uh, it seems all about like, how do we draw people here? This yeah, mm -hmm. and this patio and the heated centers and yeah, the inside's super nice too. So it's just the draw is ultimately, I think out here for people who. Oh, for sure. Sunsets. I, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Sunsets. So I discovered you through the craft beer passport for the capital region. Uh, but also things like that in the New York State Brewing app. How, how beneficial have those been to draw complete strangers like myself here to Dancing Green? I don't know. I have no way to measure that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get a lot of people saying that to yeah. me. Okay. I get a lot of people being like, it's our first time. We didn't know you were here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, 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 it's a challenge and it's not a challenge at the same time. Um, communicating with the public is... I think we probably need to invest in some like, you know, search engine stuff. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. You don't know really like there's no yeah, way to, like, again, to measure yeah, your quantify, ROI. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it's a it's, difficult thing. SEOs are not cheap. Yeah. They're not cheap. So. Um, but uh, we do, like I changed the POS system from last fall to now and I send out an email every week, the same time. And every week our list grows. I think we have 1500 subscribers now which is pretty good for not even a year in we don't buy them right it's no. people signing up right here um and it'll tell me how much money that that email generated right based on who saw it who clicked okay. on it whatever and those people who came in and what they spent so that's like that's pretty cool um but yeah we need to do well and we'll boost posts or we'll do like facebook ad manager but um and we work with like the chambers of commerce to help post things but I think the next step is like, all right, how much money, how much, you know, how many cents per pint are we putting into our marketing budget for 2024 mm -hmm. so that we can invest in like SEO, SEM, you know, really targeted marketing yeah. to get those people. Cause we're really not like, we're not far from Saratoga. We're not mm -hmm. far from Lake George or Glens Falls. A lot of the newbies we get happen to be coming off the North. They're coming from New York to go to the Adirondacks yeah. and oh, this was right off the highway. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go through a downtown or a main mm -hmm. street. And it's exactly what they're looking for, right? Awesome. It's quiet, yeah. it's beautiful, yeah. beer is oh, good. You know, or the, or the other the other cool draw that we get, I mean, literally like right over there is a state campground. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's almost, it's almost a they weekly. They get like a half a million visitors a summer. Yeah. Wow. So somebody will just roll in. I'm like, I'm at the campgrounds over Yeah, we here. like give them little brochures. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, they love handing them out. 
So yeah. people will come over from there quite a bit. Yeah, no, that's so that's that's cool. That's 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 awesome. That's fun. You know, you yeah, I'm sure. Buy a few cans or crowlers and sit by their own campfire at their campfire. Absolutely. Yeah. And what always inevitably happens, like one person shows up just to kind of scout the place out, and then like a whole group shows <laughs> up later. <and> like, <laughs> just they're there on their phone, like, oh, it's one of, oh, cool, like yeah. 12 more people. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, people love it because it's, it's very family friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we put up these no climb fences because it was so family friendly yeah. that I was worried about children getting smushed by cars. So now I, have them locked in but yeah. um no there's not a lot of places you can go and have a beer and get some food mm -hmm. um or bring your food mm -hmm. and just hang with your kids like you don't get to see your friends anymore because you got kids right yeah yeah so yeah. it's a good it's a good option for people who have a family um so let's get to this next beer and then we're going to speak about the food because i know you do food trucks yep. so i'm very interested in that selection process yeah but let's get to uh santé yeah so the next one santé it's um Belgian wit, but it's kind of like my take on it. So I used uh, lemon zest instead of like orange peel, mm -hmm. and then I also dry hopped it with Holotaw Blanc. Nice. Um, just give it a little, a little, a little different element. Awesome. You know, a toast. Yes. Yeah, this is like one of those things where we talked about, and Duffy was like, "I'm gonna do a Belgian wit." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Is that like?" Again, not a beer background. <laughs> like, I'm learning a lot through Duffy, but I don't have a beer background. I'm like, like a hoe garden? He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of. I was like, well, I always put lemon in it. Yeah. Mm. He's like, I guess we're putting lemon in yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> right? it's, you know. Just naturally have the lemon zest instead of throwing it in. And yeah. so you're not throwing lemon on top of the orange and coriander. Right. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And I didn't put, yeah, I didn't put any spices in there. Mm -hmm. It's just the special yeast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very unique wit. I haven't had many like that. Yeah, so. good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so food trucks, I noticed on the website, it looks like you seem to have a rotating food truck once per every couple of weeks, once per month. Yeah, we have. So we have a food truck every weekend. Okay. Um, kind of depends seasonally um, whether they're here Thursday through Sunday or Friday through Sunday. But um, last weekend was a burger guy. This weekend is a barbecue guy. Mostly does like beef barbecue. Um, we've got a pork guy too who, who rotates in and out. He was here, what was that, last weekend? No, weekend before last. Yeah, yeah. Then we've got Mexican, Trace Mijas, who's also a fan favorite. And we like sneak in Moby Dicks, which is like a fish, fish fry okay. wagon um, every now and then. They'll be back in September. And um, Thursdays, there's like a couple Thursdays coming up that we've got like a Czechoslovakian oh, like pop-up. They've been here a couple of times. Yeah, yeah stuff they do like um, open face sandwiches yeah. and strudels and basically very authentic check food um so we'll those are all booked to the end of september and then we've got to start thinking about like okay who's going to be our vendor for for the winter time yeah. because nobody wants to park when it's cold out yeah. so it's like we've got to work with somebody who's like a preferred maybe a preferred vendor mm -hmm. to get through the season but um when we don't have food trucks we definitely welcome people to bring in their own food because you know why not mm -hmm. what the yeah. hell yeah yeah right <laughs> i mean do you see putting a kitchen in the future at some point? I don't know. I live under the philosophy of know what you do well and do that. Okay. Um, I could see us doing something like, again, going back to like what supports our initiative, maybe doing bread. Okay. Right. And then being like, okay, let's make some really great sandwiches. 
you know, um, and working with some local meats and, and, and whatnot. But um, I don't know if it'll ever be like a full scale yeah. kitchen situation. You see yourself working with like local, uh, like charcuterie type boards with meats and cheeses and stuff. I mean, you're in the farmland. Yeah, right? it's, we it's there, actually so. were going to open with that. Okay. And it was like the 11th hour. Mm. My One of my very good friends was here last summer and she stayed all summer, did not take a dime from us, just helping. And uh, she had this, it was like late July, and she's like, I need to have a conversation with you. I really don't think you should do charcuterie. Okay. And I was like, why? She's like, there's just a lot going on. You've never been in hospitality. You haven't been in beer before. And like adding this to the mix with a pretty inexperienced team yeah. is going to throw you over the edge. Yeah. Like, you just need to not. And I... I begrudgingly took her advice. <laughs> I was like really kind of mad. <laughs> but I got over it real quick when we opened yeah. and my life oh. turned into complete chaos. Um, so yeah, but we have like, I don't know, we'll have chips, but generally speaking, it's like bring your own food or mm. we have a food truck. We post our calendar once a week um, and, gen and we'll post the menu when, when received from the vendor. And uh, you know, if you've got food restrictions, no one's gonna, no one's gonna murder you for bringing your own stuff, right? Like, yeah. If you're a vegetarian and it's barbecue and you can't eat it, bring your own food. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty simple. I like that concept. It's, it's a lot yeah. easier. And and on top of that, too, you got, your team has, like, regular events. I saw beer dinners, music. Well, what are some, what are, uh, how regular are those events? And then what are some things you might want to add on? I see cornhole, yeah. maybe cornhole tournaments. Like, do you see yourself yeah, doing that? Yeah, so we have live music at least once a week, if not twice at this point, all through the end of September. Um, we have the Sunflower Fest for September and October this year, and there'll be a number of different sort of like either events or activities, um, workshops focused around that. And uh, we're hosting a beer dinner during during that um, festival. Uh, we do have two sets of cornhole. Um, but I think for me and my, my initiative and this idea of like for the land, for the spirit, this idea of celebration, mm -hmm. um, I would like to bring in more like music and arts to to our place because in line with that it's complimentary i used to be a musician i'm no longer a musician but um that barn is perfect for things like you know art festivals or beer fests or i i just really see this place as like a destination for celebrating anything yeah. and everything and that's kind of what i want to target no the it, it pretty much you know it's it's been said at other breweries but craft beer is beer and art in glass yeah so it's why not add actual <laughs> well, art <laughs> it's funny because it's the like literal words i use is like beer is the canvas for telling the story of what yeah. we do as farmers right and he's the artist i'm just facilitating it all <laughs> <laughs> trying to be his sales rep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting him in a gallery here and there right. <laughs> kind of speaking of galleries have you done festivals or is there festivals in the future dancing green yeah we did the new york craft beer fest we did the saratoga beer week beer fest we did the farming man <laughs> Um, but I don't know what the fall has okay. going on. We, we like personally, my, my hope is, is that we'll be having festivals here. That would be cool. You it's got just, the room. It's such a good yeah. draw, yeah. especially yeah. like what's going on out here. And, and, and it does a really good job of telling the story of mm -hmm. beer. And I think that would help. I mean, that elevates everybody in beer. Right. Um, for me, of course, I have like a little bit of a personal objective, which is to highlight the ingredients that go into beer. Um, so I don't know if, you know, how those festivals will take place. Will they be only breweries that use New York state ingredients? Will they be 
you know, beer fest focused on like lagers and ales and maybe not IPA, you know, what is it, what are, what does our brand dictate in a year from now when we're a little bit more mature, mm -hmm. I think is still to be determined, but we like where we are in what we're producing and both at the farm and, and on our tap. Um, they're very complimentary and I think that as we mature, we'll probably be focusing more on lagers and ales. Awesome. Um, all right, let's get this one last beer. And there was a question I forgot earlier, which I'm going to ask, sure. and I will go from there. So what's this last beer? So the last one? Oh, that's the Sweet Bee. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's actually that's actually the first, um, when I started here back in, what was it, March? Late April? Late March, March early April, something like that. Um, that was the first beer that I designed. And, and Rachel was literally just like, I've got this 50-pound bucket of honey sitting in the Can you do cooler. something Can with you it, Can you do something please? with it? I'm like, yeah. So yeah, so local honey um there's another local farmer that rachel allows them to keep um hives on site um so it's kind of cool because every time i do it the honey's a little different um throughout the year well what's cool about it so this is like i would say as close to an estate beer as we can mm. get right now this and then probably the norwood yeah which you can have a t you can have a sample on mm -hmm. your way out um it's uh so those so those bees ate off the sunflowers all last fall okay they live on site and as gratitude for letting them live on site, they would give us a five gallon pail every year. And so that's what it was. They gave me a pail in the spring and I said, Duffy, do something with this. So it's rye and malt from the farm yeah. and the honey from the farm. And it's our take on what like, if we made yeah. an IPA, this is what it would be. It wouldn't okay. be a hazy yeah. IPA necessarily. Yeah. And I kind of tried to make it look like, you know, we had a jar of honey in your mm -hmm. hand, yeah. you know? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, All right. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yep. Rye honey. Yum. Super well balanced. Yum. Wow. <laughs> that's that's and that's one of my that's one What's of my percentage favorites. on this? It's like six and a half. That could be like dangerous because yeah. that does not taste <laughs> six and a half. That is that, uh, that's a good campfire beer for me. It's cool. Thank sit you. by the campfire and well, I I'm snooty. I have to have my beer in a glass even when I'm at a campfire. So Sorry. it's like crack open the crowler, pour it, put my crowler back in my ice to keep it a little cooler. Yeah. yeah. No, all my I go. I'm a pretty avid camper too. All my friends will pick 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 on me. I'll, yeah. I'll pull up like, oh, here, Duff got to pull his glass out. Can't you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm catching flack now too because I do it for disc golf with the guys. It's like I break out my little can and I got a little topper on. They're like, dude. I'm like, what? <laughs> At least I'm enjoying myself and I'm yeah. supporting a local company. Exactly. Local disc golf yeah. fields. Leave me alone. <laughs> so. Uh, so the name Dancing Green, where does it come from, and who's the logo? Hmm. Mm -hmm. So Dancing Green, we um, we had a lot of names, and we took a short list of ten, and we launched it to like seventy of our friends and family, and we took a poll. And Dancing Green actually came back as one of the top three. It wasn't the number one, but Dancing Green comes from basically what you get to see in the fields mm -hmm. if you're here before July Fourth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which is exactly that dancing grain when the wind blows and the barley heads out it has this yeah. huge anther it's beautiful and it just swirls and it dan yeah. and it is and sometimes it looks like there's yeah it's some, like a medit yeah. you look at it you're like meditating and you don't mm -hmm. even know yeah. what's happening right yeah so and sometimes you can see it looks like waves yeah. going across the field it's, it's so, so the, the movie intros the yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and uh who's the logo uh the logo is like sort of it's mostly based off of Mother Nature. It's kind of loosely formed into being kind of me. It's my brewery. Mm -hmm. um, but it's 
it has everything to do with like life, right? Like for the lamb, for the spirit, you know, great beer grown here. It's like, if we give her what she needs, she'll give us what we need. Um, and it's a very male dominated industry. I'm on, I am in the middle again. Yeah. I don't know how I found myself here all the time. <laughs> I've got agriculture, which is predominantly male and beer, which is predominantly <laughs> male. And I am in yeah. the middle of the two. And I recall very early on the business planning process, more than one guy telling me, I see that you're targeting women. That's gonna, that's gonna kick you in the ass, right? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I feel like that is what's kicking you in the ass, yeah, but okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, over 75% of all of our followers on socials, either platforms are women. And what I can tell you is that if a woman resonates with a brand, mm -hmm. yep. she's coming back yeah. more than once. She's bringing her friends, she's bringing her family, she's bringing her kids, she's bringing her husband. I'm going to get her husband anyway. Yeah. No. If I just go uh, after him, if I target that yeah. guy, it's beer. It's a farm. I'm going to get him. <laughs> right? Or, or So if I can yeah. get her, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I, have, a, I yeah. have a loyal customer for life. Yeah, brand loyalty is so important. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's 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 the husband or the boyfriend bringing the wife or girlfriend. I'm like, eh, I don't really like beer. I'm like, try just try. Yeah, that. you might like that. Try this that. was inspired like, by oh somebody goodness. who shares in your principles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you know, especially like some of the sours that we do are very approachable, and 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 a lot of the, you know, that's that's what that's why I always push on somebody when when. When a when a woman comes in like ah, I'm not, I don't really like beer I'm like try 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 this it's almost we, like we have, we do have to call them beer champagne yeah <laughs> but that usually yeah if it's that a little bit of like arm twisting like listen it's more like beer champagne yeah they're yeah. like all right that's what I want that's what yeah. I can't that's and then what I'm they looking try for. and they're like oh I never knew that beer could could right. taste like this and it just opens their opens their mind up to you know. And, and that's and I and I and I, I I enjoy that about this too. Just just having people come in, especially having a huge variety of of beer. People are like yeah. I really don't know what that is. I'm like I'll try it. You know, it's like well, people. You know, I like to produce beers that a lot of times people otherwise might normally not be exposed to. Um, again, hearkening back to doing some like really true to style stuff, and some people are like that's a weird beer. I'm like people have been making beer like that for thousands of years. Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Do you um, with the popularity of seltzers, do you see yourself making a seltzer? No, no, no. Yeah. Interesting. It's rare because a lot of people are making them now because yeah. it does. It just doesn't align with like our mission. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Now there is an opportunity. There's a guy in Vermont that toll processes. Um, sweet sorghum mm -hmm. so if i could figure out how to harvest it because again all my like all my harvesters harvest dry greens not wet so figure sweet sorghum is kind of like a like a maple syrup you have to harvest it when it's wet boil it down if i could figure out how to get it off the ground then we would have our own our own base of sugar okay. yeah cool. but i have no interest in like buying domino sugar like everybody else and making a seltzer that's just yeah. not that you're does just, not align with what we're so here to do you're literally we're staying field to glass and yep. that's it. Yep. No, there's no need to deviate. I'm sure you have quite the uh, loyal customers. Oh yeah. And is that where the loyalty program is coming along? Well, the loyalty program works out really well. We started with like a crawler program, right? Like a milk card sort of situation. Mm -hmm. And then we changed point of sale systems and this works out so much better because you're collecting their data and you know what they want. Um, and they get a point for every dollar they spend after a hundred points, they get $10 towards their next tab. 
So it's like I've got people who it's like five or six hundred points that they haven't used because their daughter's coming in three weeks oh. with all their family and they want to come and have a big party, right? And so the loyalty program has actually worked out really well because it's 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 capturing all of their likes and dislikes and and it's um, aggregating our consumer preferences for us um, and then quantifying basically you know how to how to get them back mm. plus people love saving money so that just helps getting them back yeah yeah that's, you know it's one of those helpful things i mean to go <laughs> stuff is great don't get me wrong but people are coming here like you said mm. brews and views like yeah. this is where if you're having a beer here it's a different experience than having it at home yeah so oh yeah yeah and beer and beer is such a Communal. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's j just like taking anything in that involves your senses. The environment that you in that you're in enhances that. So if you're just sitting in your basement, dark, watching TV, I, <laughs> that's that's a that's a I little, have to leave now. Yeah, that, that's a little that's a little different than sitting here watching this. You know, having a beer. I mean, it's a completely different experience. Not not to say that it's wrong to sit in the dark watching TV. Yeah, no, in, in Quebec, we, with the first lockdown, we pretty much had to spend eight months in our basements uh, watching uh, TV, so uh, we had some hardcore lockdowns wherever we were. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, anything else either you'd like to talk about today? No, I guess the only other thing I would mention is, like, a lot of our beers have, like, farm-grown ingredients that maybe are not green, mm -hmm. so we do mm -hmm. a ton of herbal oh, and floral yeah, yeah, yeah. additions. Yeah. Like, we have a chamomile blonde coming. We have a lavender blonde coming out. And we have a chamomile blonde coming out for like like the fall time. It was one of our best sellers last year. Um, we do a fennel stout. Mm -hmm. We're using nasturtiums and a saison. So we, um, huge flower person, yeah. but also um, support the bees and butterflies and pollinators, which is kind oh, of yeah. what got me onto this whole yeah. idea of an herb garden. And yeah. really, an herb garden is a brewer's garden. And so the, we have expanded our like perennial herbs and floral additions into our beers yeah. um which they really do um you wouldn't think initially that they have this fragrance and mm. and they really do add to the beers and awesome. duffy does a great job balancing them like you could have too much chamomile in a beer let me tell you oh yeah i've had them oh, yeah. but these <laughs> is just like oh i can smell it i don't taste it yeah. right yeah. really it's i'm like smelling nice it and oh it, it kind of makes me a little yeah. sleepy and yeah so that's you know that kind of jogged my memory a little bit you know you know going back to your your question earlier it was um you know what i what i like about this and why why i think setups like this are really good for craft beer in general is is because you know lo looking at like the whole foodie you know mm -hmm. craze yeah and you know, we, if you, you go to a lot of other countries, and and everything's it's still seasonal. And oh I, yeah, you I, go to Italy. Know? Every region you go to, yeah. this, like they eat something different than the next, yeah. right? Like it's local. You mm -hmm. eat what your community produces. And 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 I and I think our palates to that effect. I think our palates have have kind of waned a little bit because it's like you're you're just. You're just kind of taught like, oh, you can get whatever you want year round. Like, no, I'm making this beer right now. And our because, Norwood is like that. Yeah, because like especially like the sours that we put the fruit in, that's the fruit that's in season. Mm -hmm. So that's the fruit I'm going to use. And you can't like, she convinced me like I, I you know I came from a, a larger scale thing, so I was like, oh, I have to use puree. Yeah, and oh, not, there's nothing wrong with puree, but she's like, listen, if you use real fresh fruit, 
there's, there's you can taste you cannot, the difference. Yeah. You cannot, and I'm like, all right. And I was like, <laughs> because because me, I was I was being a little bit lazy about it. I'm like, it's so much harder cleaning up when you're using you know whole fruit rather yeah. than just a puree, you know. So, but after that, you know, after doing that once or twice, I was like, oh man, like there's just there's, there's no uh, comparison. That's that's why I like coming out to these farm style breweries. It's just such a change from the big city boy I come from, and it is that it, it, you can. Well, I still enjoy my craft beer in the city of Montreal yeah, yeah, yeah. and in the city of Toronto and in the city of, in New York City. I still like hitting places like this and other farm breweries around yeah. the area to yeah. to get that that nature in the glass. Yeah, so. I mean, like our, our pumpkin ales, like they're not, yeah. we're not getting jars of like yeah. cans yeah. of pumpkin puree. Like that just isn't authentic. It isn't who we are. Mm-hmm. We're roasting pumpkins for three hours <laughs> till they're caramelized. And then we're roasting their seeds till they're like coffee. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot of extra work. We're doing it once a year. Yeah. Do you do a pumpkin roast? Do you have people come in and do like a big pumpkin roast? Well, I know. We, there well, was we a... did last year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, because we spoke with a distillery in uh, Granby, Quebec, and they do a pumpkin. I want to say gin. I might be wrong. Hmm. Uh, they do a, a distilled pumpkin hard alcohol, and he's like, "Yeah, I know. We do like a big pumpkin roast for wow. everybody to come in." Yeah, that's so. cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I'd love that idea. Mm-hmm. And that's just add another event for right. people to show well, up and do stuff. So, yeah, so. exactly. Well, Amazing. I mean, and the other thing, too, is brewing, it's a very, very, and it's an extremely old craft. It's one I of the mean, oldest it, ones there. It, it, it sparked civilization. At once people learned how to make beer, it's like, oh, we can we can stay here. We don't yeah. have to go anywhere. I, so you're to, talking Mesopotamia, I found my right? yeast. So. I found yeah. my yeast straight. I'm yeah. 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 So to me, to me, it's almost like a, you know, again, uh, uh, an aspect of of work life that I don't think a lot of people get to enjoy is like, you know, you, and, and I and I think a lot of brewers to this point too don't truly respect this or 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 even have you know, the, the, the cognizance of just the fact that this is a very old art and you're, you're part of a tradition. Mm-hmm. So to me, doing things this way is, is as close to that old school okay. tradition. I mean, there's some beers like, like specifically the Norwood. You know, I, like I looked into how did they make this hundreds of years ago? And obviously, I have better technology. Like cutting spruce branches, (laughs) and and it's just like, how can I? How can I? You know, and and doing that, and you have that connection. Like, man, I'm I'm making a beer as close to authenticity as possible that people have been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, and that that connection is just like you cannot. You 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 cannot mimic that you know any other way. I mean, even speed that hundreds of years ago, the alewives. Like yeah. women were brewers yeah. witches, way back then. Right? That's why they like, were witches. When did the flip happen where it's like this is just a man's drink and yeah. ladies can't drink? Yeah. It, yeah. It is so ridiculous that that is yeah. even a mindset at all. Oh, so totally ridiculous. Beer should be for everybody, except it for is. children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's another thing about it. And that's another thing about it too. Like I'm trying especially doing things on, on on this scale in a setting like this, I'm trying to peel back some of the pretentiousness that is that you see a lot like in the, in well, the, in the and industry we actually and... we have a, our group of customers that come here are incredibly diverse yeah um one of the things you don't see i mean a lot of it's upstate new york you don't see a ton of minorities but they will come here yeah and we will see the guy is it his most blue collar right like us people yeah. like mm-hmm. us farm they're farmers um 
And then you'll see the person show up, and I'm not kidding you, Ferraris, Lamborghinis. <laughs> yeah. Like, I kid you not. I'm like, yeah. do you know where you I'd are? You're going to bottom out. <laughs> and it's just, it's an incredibly diverse group of people who come here. And I think it's just because there's something here for everyone. Um, and I think it goes back to, like, this really, it's just a very authentic brand yeah. and business model. Like, there's something here for everyone. And we want you to be part of the family. It's the farm family, right? Plus having the 87 only about a mile away. And that helps, right? Super, super helpful. <laughs> I'm sure you get Montrealers traveling down and they're you like, You get Montrealers on bikes. Yeah. Like, like bicycles. Yeah, no, I have a friend who, he's like, I did a, I did 100 kilometers. I'm like, that's 80, that's 65 miles, dude. That's that's a yeah. lot of biking. Yeah. So that's not for me. Yeah. I'll drive. <laughs> And then I enjoy responsibly so I can drive after. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. drink a drive for sure. <laughs> Always have a designated driver, especially Absolutely. I'm assuming Uber's not here. No, so. we can order you an Uber. It takes oh, 15 yeah. minutes to get here. Oh, yep. Oh, that's that. awesome. <laughs> yep. So even then, that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where's the future? What's the future for Dancing Grain? Um, beer future is, uh, I would say, I'd like to get into um, cool shipping and do some like wild stuff. I think we have an opportunity to do that here. Uh, we need a little bit more storage, though, obviously. Uh, that's not <laughs> watertight at the moment. Um, oh, you mean the giant open slaps Yeah, the giant open slaps in the barn. <laughs> the, uh, but other than that, I think like it's it's creating a space that's more year-round. We are open year-round, but we're small inside. Mm-hmm. So it's creating you know other spaces for people to come enjoy that's year-round um, and adding uh, more reasons to be here. That's music. That's art. That's other breweries we want to collaborate with people who are Mm like-minded because we're always learning we want to continue to learn and we want to be kind of a center for for other like breweries that are looking for ingredients that we use right like we can sell our malts we can sell our herbs and our flowers like we can produce those at scale so if there are like-minded people they should look at us as a as a as a place to procure or at least collaborate with you know um so yeah, that's yeah. my. I mean, I guess there's one last question as a as a Canadian who gets a lot of snow, and I'm sure you get a lot of snow here. Who does the dredge up the hill for the tractor to get rid of all the snow when there's a big snowstorm? <laughs> Me and my son. <laughs> Amazing. Right. Rachel Duffy, thank, thank you me. both very much for today. I really appreciate this. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming. Kick-ass brews and views. So yeah, thank uh, you. Thank really you. like it. For those who are trying to find Dancing Grain, where can people find you? Uh, our address is 180 Old West Road in the town of Moreau, New York. We're about a mile off of I-87. Um, take exit 17. And uh, website and social media, please. Uh, dancinggrain.com. And our socials are dancing underscore grain. Okay. So we're going to add all that in the show notes. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and hit the notification bell for all future episodes. Allbeerinside.com is the website. Add Allbeerinside on all social media. As you say at the end of all episodes, drink craft, not crap. <laughs>